The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. upon us oh my gosh guys welcome back to the official Colts podcast of fan-sided for fan-sided the blue stable podcast i am michael terraza as always i don't change personalities i don't change names i'm not changing my color i'm always going to be michael terraza joined by me as always is rashad mcginnis uh we don't have the clown today with us destin adam we don't have my brother with us today uh, he's an uncle. Congratulations to him. He's about to go meet that niece. So uh, we're proud of you. Take care of her. We know you will. You're a great man, Destin. We miss you right now. And also, guys, we have a special, very, very special guest with us here today. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. Uh, if you haven't, then you clearly are not a good Colts fan because if you don't follow him, I don't know why. Uh, but introducing the great, the powerful, the energetic George Bremer, how you doing today, George? Good. I, I feel some pressure now to live up to that introduction. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Oh, my gosh. You should ask Jim Aiello. I, I give him <laughs> – man, he, he he loves the energy. But uh, So, George – Jim deserves it. Oh, definitely. He, he's he's one too, of the best George. out there. Him and Kevin, Kevin Bowen, those two guys are – those are my guys, man. I, I love both of them. So, uh, George, there's been some – not sure, I mean – You've been there, and there's a big story going on in Coltsland right now. Uh, we have another quarterback down, and for some reason, man, uh, this seems to follow Indy every year. So, George, uh, please educate us. You know, talk us through the details. What is going on with the news we just received today about Carson Wentz? Yeah, first of all, I'd love to have one boring quarterback season, just one year where it's the same guy for 16 games. There's no question. We know it going in. You know, it, it would be wonderful. I don't even care if he plays well. Just just one year with no questions about the quarterback. Uh, but I don't think that's obviously too much to ask. So uh, very interesting day out there. I mean, I was really surprised. Frank Wright gave us a lot. You know, and I honestly was kind of expecting more of the wait and see kind of approach. And uh, it looks like – I, I've never really heard anything like this before, but that's kind of also the case with this team. Uh, old high school injury. He broke his foot in high school, apparently didn't realize it. A little fragment of a bone of his left metatarsal was buried somewhere underneath the muscle, tendons, everything else in there. 
when he stepped awkwardly Thursday in practice. Why it took 10 years, who knows? It came dislodged. It decided Thursday night to do that. Uh, that caused the pain. That caused all the things that, that put him out of, you know, on the sideline. And so they're going to go and have surgery uh, and, and correct this. I mean, the good news is everybody's is minor surgery if it doesn't happen to you. But the good news is it, it doesn't seem to be like a major procedure, uh, more of a cleanup type of situation. Go in there, get that fragment out. Mm -hmm. uh, the way I understand it, they've got to wait for a tendon to heal. And then after that, it's just pain management. And that's why you've got that crazy five to 12 week span, because, you know, again, nothing normal in Indianapolis, you got to have five to 12 weeks, which is literally the difference between opening the regular season in week one and missing the first six games. So it's a, it's a huge, huge range, but it all comes down to how quickly that tendon heals. And then I think the reason Frank Reich is so optimistic today is he says every indication is Wentz is ready and willing and able to play through the pain. And that's the other big part of it is how quickly he's ready to go. Uh, you know, the body's going to take care of it on one side and then it's kind of the mental side for him on the other. Um, I, don't know, I guess I was just happy there wasn't a, a retirement announcement today. So we've seen worse. George, George, don't jinx, jinx us, man. Don't, don't <laughs> jinx us. All right. We don't need to, well, I'm not going to say go through that again. My love for Andrew <laughs> Luck was through the absolute roof of Lucas oil stadium as all of us was. And that broke my heart. I literally cried that night George like my heart broke for him when I heard that speech uh but Rashad your your reaction um I think we have to take into consideration you know Carson Wentz's pain tolerance if this had happened in high school and he's been dealing with this throughout his career and he's been playing on this this that is insane in itself you know and I think the big the big time gap between five and 12 weeks is just essentially to give Frank and the rest of the organization some cushion. They probably don't feel like it's going to take anywhere near 12, 12 weeks, but they've dealt with so many injury problems before and people rushing them back due to the timetable they set. They say, you know what? We're going to go ahead and get in front of this thing. We're going to tell them 12 weeks. We're going to be absolutely safe with this 12 weeks, even if it, if it, even if it's seven, you know, it could be five to seven weeks, but we're going to give ourselves some room. So that way we don't have to undergo all of this scrutiny that we took and the backlash we took when we may have, mishandled or you know misspoke about previous injuries in the past and I think that's what this is a classic case of and I think that's smart I, I honestly you know nobody can really push the button on this thing until it's at the 12-week mark and I think by then Carson will be feeling much better we'll have a real good idea on when he'd be back yeah I think the biggest thing that that I took away from today is that it, it sounded like like Chris Ballard and Carson Wentz really went back and forth all weekend about whether is he going to rehab it and play through the pain or get surgery. And that's what came out today. I believe I want to say it was Steven Holder that gave that information. And I mean, great job on Chris Ballard's part because to play through this pain, man, I mean, if you're going to get it done, get it done now. Don't wait till rehab it and get, badly injured week three and now you're missing until week 16 get it done now get it taken care of um other than that i mean what it was the first day of training camp no or was it the second, second day? Day. the second, second day. day and that's just crazy i mean the colts right now are dealing with a couple of injuries tj Carey came back from covid list and all that stuff uh quentin nelson apparently doesn't get injured so that's a great uh positive so right now i mean what what do you guys think will, will, will happen with, with Carson? I mean, 
the procedure, I believe, got done today. I believe it was around 4 or 5 o'clock um, Eastern time in Indy. I don't know if it's still going on right now, but seems like they're going to get that situation taken care of. Now, like, I believe it was Rashad, what he said, how long is it going to take for that tendon to heal? What tendon is it? Be- is it? Because whichever one it is in the foot, it's going to determine how long this is going to progress because I'm, I'm no doctor. But I know I've done research on lower leg injuries, foot injuries, and there is a tendon in the foot that is very vital and it needs significant time to heal. So we really got to, you know, see what this becomes of it. So right now, prayers are with Carson, get healthy, get that foot right. I mean, like Rashad said, the fact that he's been dealing with this for 10 years is just like, oh my gosh, like. Philadelphia medical staff didn't even find this out, or maybe maybe they did and they just kept it hush hush. Who knows? But I mean, ten years—that is that is crazy. That's crazy. And one uh, one last thing, uh, just real quick. The last thing you want is a Carson Wentz that's not mobile. That's one of his biggest assets that he brings. You know, something completely different from what we dealt with last year with Philip Rivers, who's a genius pre-snap. The last thing you want is an immobile Carson Wentz. It pretty much neutralizes everything. The, the sole reason you got him for it, and a lot of things that Frank Wright wanted to unleash with this playbook that he was unable to do last year due to Philip Rivers' lack of mobility. If you're getting the same thing out of Carson, who's, in my opinion, not as good as Philip pre-snap, then, you know, you're kind of pretty much neutralizing his strongest asset. That's 100% right. And I think that's one of the biggest things about this because you don't want to, to make Carson Wentz, uh, you know, tie him into the pocket. You're going to take away everything that makes him special. And if he's got to rehab and, he, and he's got to deal with that foot and he's trying to play through the pain, I think that's part of why Chris Bowden, it wasn't just the big picture. That was a big part of it. You know, the big picture, Hey, he's going to be here more than one year. Let's get him healthy and take care of it. It was mobility. And then it's also sort of to, to Michael's point, you don't want to get into week three and all of a sudden it, it, goes bad again and now you're missing time right in the heart of the season just get it out of the way take your medicine now get him on the field as soon as you can and every indication right now is and we know these are fluid situations this fan base understands that as well as anybody uh that we should know something in the next two to three weeks that's when the healing should start to become apparent and frank Reich, he said look he could he could be throwing at that time he could even start getting into walkthroughs maybe in that in that window um, and so in that area, I think we'll start to have an idea of, is it closer to five? Is it closer to 12? And we'll figure it out at, at that point. I think the biggest thing out of all of this, not even the two to three window period, George, I think the biggest thing out of all of this, because I trust, you know, indie medical staff hasn't had the greatest reputation in the last five, six years. Even, even regardless, forget about quarterbacks. What about past injuries guys have gone through? I mean, I can't think of them, but consistently every week four or five guys out 17 18 19 years the 2000s of course but the biggest thing out of all this I trust Chris Ballard Frank Reich won't rush Carson Wentz back but I think the biggest thing is Carson Wentz has to stay disciplined in his rehab he can't fall under the pressure and say I have a lot to prove I need to I need to play week one I need to play week two no I need to play in a preseason game or I need to get this done He's got to trust the staff around him. He's got to trust it. And he's got to stay disciplined because you got to also understand this man has gone through a lot of scrutiny in the last two years. He's been called a fake, a fraud, an entire franchise and city hates him. 
and there's mixed emotions, probably the bad, bad wise about him in the NFL. So to stay disciplined, to listen to Frank Reich, listen to Chris Ballard. Um, if you want to have private conversations with other players behind the scenes, of course, always. But I think the biggest thing out of all this is how is Carson Wentz going to stay disciplined in this process of healing because he cannot rush himself back this early. Mike, no, I'm going to make you laugh, Mike, and I'm going to uh, give George the backstory real quick. Uh, my older brother is the D-line coach for the Rams. He called me today while I was at work, and I pick up the phone. He said, uh, Carson, will he be ready by week two? I said, yeah, he'll be there. He said, okay, <laughs> I got somebody who want to see him, want to visit with him real quick. I said, okay, whatever, and I hung up on him, man. So, so everybody's taking notice to this. Everybody is definitely taking notice to this, and I'm sure he's going to have a, a bunch of jokes leading up to week two for that big showdown. 100%. You know, and I, I agree, though. I think the biggest thing right now is, don't come back to your hundred percent. Otherwise don't do the surgery. Like once you made that decision now buy in, let the process play out and, and, you know, just get it out of the way. We've seen too many times around here, the quarterback situation dominates the whole season. Get it over with now, get it done. When you're out there, you're back for good, but you know, don't, it doesn't need to be a day too soon. Right. And I think the next part of this conversation has, in an annoying way, media has pushed a narrative that the Colts need to go get a guy in Chicago. Uh, and a guy in Chicago actually, quote unquote, made a cry for help uh, today. And George, this is going to be an interesting conversation, man. I look, I made a tweet the other day. I don't care if it's Nick Foles. Nick Poles, Nick Moles, I don't care who it is. I don't want to bring in a vet. You need to figure out what, because the Colts, the Colts have had questions inter, eternal, internally about whether Jacob Eason will ever be ready. Those are facts. Those are true. We've been told this. They have had serious questions about will he ever be ready? Well, now, how will you ever know if you bring in a vet quarterback to take those snaps from him? You got to figure out what you have now. If you do your studying and he just absolutely wets the bed in preseason, then, hey, you got to do what you got to do. But we need to table this conversation for right now until we actually see Jacob Eason. You know, people are talking about he's been playing bad. Well, these are the first meaningful snaps he's had with pressure on him in, what, three years? So, we got to give him time. You know, he learned under Phillip Rivers, one tough son of a gun, a the, one of the smartest quarterbacks to ever play the game. I mean, do you think Jacob's maybe picking his pocket a little bit? I mean, they were in the quarterback room, probably got each other's number. Hey, man, need some advice? Cool. George, where are you at right now? Do you want to go get a vet, get a guy who's experienced, can, you know, lead a team, or do you want to roll with, the gunslinger and Jacob Eason. Yeah, I don't think Jacob Eason's ready. I just don't. I, I worry about ruining him early in his career. That's my one question right now. Make sure he's 100% ready. Don't throw him out there too soon. You could really shoot his confidence. Uh, but I don't think there's any rush. At the same time, I'm not trying to sit on the fence here. I don't think there's any rush to bring a veteran in, especially if it's Nick Foles, because he knows the offense. He doesn't need a lot of time to get ready. 
right now you've got a chance, and I think Frank Reich even said today, they're going to find out what Jacob Eason's made of. you got a chance right now for him to take the first team reps. It doesn't matter. Go ahead and let him get that time together. Let him go through the first preseason game, maybe the second preseason game. And in all honesty, I, I think another aspect of this waited out because I don't know how much an appetite this franchise has right now to give up more draft picks to go mm-hmm. and get another quarterback, no matter right. what that draft pick is. Yes. So wait it out. And I think you can wait in full case. You can wait till cut down day. There's a couple other guys out there that I think you would probably feel comfortable with. If you bring them in late, let Eason do it. I mean, right now it's not pretty out there. I'll, I'll just be honest, <laughs> but he's played one year in the last four. So I don't know what you expect from him this early in the process. <laughs> uh, we'll see how it goes through the weeks. And I think he just needs that time. Let him get the snaps now. And if things look bad, two, three weeks. And also give time for Carson Wentz. You go get somebody now and Wentz starts week one, what was the point? But if you need, if it starts to look like Wentz is going to be gone for a little bit longer, then you can kind of come back and reassess the situation. Yeah, and that's how I felt uh, kind of pre-diagnosed before we found out exactly what the timetable was looking at. I was thinking when the coach signed Brett Huntley, I said, okay, well, they must not be looking at a significant amount of time missed because they're not getting Brett Huntley to come in and take over uh, starter reps. That's just not happening. Not the type of player he's been in his past. So I was thinking maybe the coach have a good idea that Carson Wentz will be back pretty early. Let's just get another vet in here, another body in here, camp arm, and let's see what he can do. You never know. Guy might wow you and then he can maybe take over for a couple of games. But this is Easton's job to lose. I've been saying that since the injury happened, you know, He's going to get all the preparation he needed. He needs to come in and play. Like he said, he hasn't played but one game, one season in four years. Like, that's crazy to expect a guy that had no training camp last year, that had no preseason last year, to just come in this year and light it up. It just doesn't happen like that, you know. No matter how long you sit on the side and you watch, until you get those live bullets, those live snaps, and actually see what that guy's made of when he doesn't have a red jersey on, it's a different type of ball game when you're actually in the game. And the only way he's going to see what you got is if you give him an opportunity. So I think that's where we stand. The only thing I was saying was if Eason came out of here and looked just horrible, just terrible in the first two preseason games, and you still roll with him as an organization, a lot of people are saying you still should just go with him. You can't do that because that, that affects the locker room. You're essentially punting on the season if you were to do that. And those players recognize that. And that's when you start messing with the morale and all kind of messages that you've been telling these teams. And it makes it seem like you're tanking or you don't believe in these guys. That's why you're not making a proper move. Don't get me wrong. The Colts are not a quarterback away from a Super Bowl right now at this current time. Mm -hmm. But we need to see these guys compete. They need to feel like they have a chance to win. And if Eason was to completely stink it up, you're pretty much letting them know that. We don't have a chance to win, but we're just going to go out here anyway and see what happens. I mean, look, I am the captain of the Jacob Eason hype train. I am going to drive this train as much as I possibly can, but I'm not going to sit here and expect George Bremer to tweet out, Jacob Eason just went 16 of 18 against the first team defense. Really? Come on, man. I mean, let's get him. (laughs) Look. As a rookie, now, George Bremer, I'm not sure how much YouTube or social media you do, but Jacob Eason and Michael Pittman are very close. That's a plus. There's chemistry established. They know each other very well. That's a plus. We could have a a next Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, you know, just throw a slant. I got you. I mean, 
that type of chemistry. So, you know, getting with Desmond Patman or Michael Strachan, these young guys that are going in, and even Michael Strachan right here has been getting first-team reps as well. So I want to roll with this guy, not because I think he's a franchise. I You have to see what you have. And let's just say Jacob Eason goes 4-0, and he lights it up, and Carson Wentz gets back. That is an amazing problem to have because now – you're in the catbird seat. You're trading one of them, and now you have tape and say, um, you never called me about Jacob Eason. You just watched him for four weeks, and now you're calling me. So you about to offer something good up, whatever the case may be. So I am going to try my best. He won't ever see it, but uplift this guy as much as you possibly can because as a young guy, I'm not sure if people understand this. People think that Frank Reich and Chris Ballard are just – worried about Carson Wentz no their eyes are bigger than they were when Carson walked through the door now okay let's see what this young guy's got we drafted him we scouted him Chris and I had so not me but speaking for Frank Reich Chris and I had so many conversations about Jacob Eason now he's here now it's time to now it's time to see what he's got and he said said it today he told Jacob Eason it's your show this is your team how do you step up? How do you step up in film room? How do you step up in weight room, classroom? How do you step up on the field? This is big for Jacob Eason. I want him to succeed so bad, George. Even before we signed Carson or traded for Carson, I wanted to roll with Jacob Eason just to see what you had. No, that was not smart. It wasn't. But I just, I I stand by the players I like, man. I, I stand by the players I like. I love the players that I like. Rashad knows this. I, if there's a guy that I like, I will stand by him and defend him as much as I can. But now I'm getting my wish. I wish it wasn't at the expense of Carson Wentz's foot, but now it's time. So I don't think we have any other thoughts unless we want to chime in, you know, talking about Jacob Beeson going 17-0 and 0 or anything like that. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl MVP. I mean, MVP of the league. I mean, don't feed into it, George. (laughs) (laughs) You you, you never know these things, man. Come on now. You got to. Do y'all think, do do you think Jacob Eason can do this? I mean, did people think Kurt Warner could do it when he was stocking groceries in Iowa? I mean, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, Mm -hmm. and I think that's why you just give him the chance right now. What I've seen right now, I'm not really encouraged, but I don't expect to be at this point in, in the year. He's had three practices with the first team offense. I'm sure everything's moving at lightning speed right now for him, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you see some things that, that can't be taught. I mean, he's got a powerful arm and everybody knows that he knocked him out. Michael Harris over with a throw at one point in camp. <laughs> it was a little bit off balance, but he threw it so hard. It knocked him over when he caught the ball. Uh, you can see some chemistry between him and Pittman already. That's been pretty apparent. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's having trouble with reads. I would expect that to be the case right now. Um, he, he's a little bit hesitant. I would expect that to be the case right now. Bobby Okariki keeps picking his pocket. I'm sure he's not real happy about that right now, uh, but that's going to happen. That's how you learn. You make those mistakes out there. Now you make them in preseason games and you see where it goes from here. I don't know why you would rush in a veteran right now. Look, you want to trade for Aaron Rodgers, Fine. You know, but if you're not getting them right. a difference maker, if Dang. you're going to bring in just a guy who is, you know, and, and they're not, they're not going to do something like that. They're not going to go get, you know, a multi-million dollar guy. What's the mm-hmm. point of rushing in a journeyman quarterback you can get that guy at any point in this process. Let yep. Eason get the snaps now and then move forward. I now, agree, look, man. Yeah. I agree. Go ahead, Mike. Before we move on to the next thing, this is my last point. Um, I admire Gary Patterson, head coach of TCU. 
Uh, that's my favorite team, my favorite school. I remember I asked them a question one time when I got to talk to him for like 40 seconds after a game. Um, <laughs> I asked him, you know, he always says this motto. I judge quarterbacks on game day. And I asked him, hey, man, what about um, practice do you not pay attention to? And he says the lights aren't on in practice. The cameras aren't on in practice. Everything is not on the line in practice. So on game days, preseason, week one, week two, however many weeks he's going to play, I'm going to judge Jacob Eason on game day. That's how I'll go about it moving forward. So moving on, look, we all want to talk quarterback, but there's other positive things going on in Indianapolis. I'm not sure if people know this, George, but other positive things going on. So one position that we have basically been worrying about ever since Anthony Costanzo has retired is who's going to be getting left tackle, the, the left tackle spot. Now we signed Eric Fisher, but he's been working on the sidelines rehabbing. He's not doing any team activities. Could you confirm that he's not doing any team activities? Yep, no, he's working hard on the sideline. He's running harder than some of the guys are on the field, but he's not, <laughs> not out there on the team right now. Okay, breaking news. All right, Eric Fisher is ready to play. No, don't say <laughs> that. Don't say that I said that. No. Uh, so my understanding is Will Holden is the guy that has been dominating reps in AKA. My guy Ben Bannock has been dominating him. But yes. Will Holden has been dominating the reps. Now, George, how has Will Holden looked out there with the other starters? Yeah, he had the first two days, and, you know, he had his ups and his downs, kind of sort of similar to, to Eason. You know, it's really first – first. he got in there against Pittsburgh for kind right. of a cup of coffee before he got hurt, but it's he's still learning the ropes as well. It was Sam Tevy the last two days. I thought Holden was a little bit ahead of him uh, than where Tevy was the last couple of days. We'll see how that goes. And, again, we'll see what happens when the pads come on. I mean, right now the lines it, – it's really hard to draw a lot of conclusions uh, when they're out there in shorts. But – um, you see the quickness from some guys. You see the athleticism from some guys. And Quiddy Pace bend. We knew that coming in. You see that out there. Um, I think the tackles have struggled early. Uh, but, again, I, I expect that to be the case. I mean, these guys are trying to, to, to get up to speed uh, with this offense and, and, and with what they're being asked to do. And, and they just don't have the physicality right now. It's not – I think the pads are coming on tomorrow. I think that's what Grover Stewart said today. Uh, and, and I – that's when I really start to look at like the one-on-one drills and things like that for the linemen right now. It's, it is what it is. You know, you see some things, I mean, Nelson stonewalled a pass rusher the other day because he's Quentin Nelson and he's going to do that. Um, But it's, I I don't, I don't, I don't want to take too much from, from, you know, practices and shorts. I I just think that's a mistake. Quentin Nelson got uh, nicked up. How how was that? How is he feeling afterwards? He he looked good. We'll see. You know, he went out, and that was obviously a huge concern when we went in the tent. He came back out, and he took a couple snaps, and then he left again. Um, I mean, my feeling, honestly, is his foot's still attached. He's probably going to play. They may take him out now for yeah. a couple of days because what does Quentin Nelson need to do on day four <laughs> and five of, of training camp? But, you know, with him, I'm, I'm never worried. As long as he's alive and breathing, he's going to be on the field. He's going to play football. Yeah, Chris Reed, Danny Pinter, and Joey Hunt need those reps a lot more than Quentin Nelson do. Let's just get that straightforward right now. Uh, my question is, how has Will Holden looked against, you know, has he? have you seen a rep where, you know, there's a stunt and DeForest Buckner goes out wide and he goes up against him? Because that's really the one guy that we can really measure our offensive linemen yeah. to right now. So how has Will Holden looked going up against the guy, if at all, against DeForest Buckner? 
Yeah, defense has been pretty vanilla right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're basically playing shells, so he's okay. mostly the defensive ends. And Bandigu and Ture, have just, it's not just holding; they've just terrorized everybody so far uh, this spring. I mean, they they both look really fast. And again, I want to see it, you know, when the pads come on, and then yes. I want to see it in the preseason, yes. and then you want to see it week one of the regular season. Uh, but right now, Ben Bandigu's camp so far this year has been very similar to what we saw from Taekwon Lewis last year, what we saw from Grover Stewart the year before. It's sort of that breakout kind of stuff. Now, what I thought the most interesting thing that happened today, it's going to get buried because Carson Wentz is the story, and obviously <laughs> that's the case. Taekwon Lewis said he never knew Ben Banigan was left-handed, and they moved him over to the right side, and all of a sudden it's like the light came on, and, and maybe this is maybe this is the reason. I thought that was a really interesting nugget that came out of there today. They- uh, you know, the, I don't know. The coaches didn't know it. Taekwon Lewis never knew it. And he said that, you know, him now using his dominant left hand, he, he says, that's the reason he's taking off. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Look, I'm a huge TCU fan. So he didn't know that. Taekwon didn't know that. Oh so, my gosh. That's crazy. We will see that. That is crazy. Okay. So, all right. So other, other than that, uh, Rashad, did you have anything you wanted to get in on this? Um, I just wanted to ask, ask a question about the wide receivers. Uh, it's been a real quiet camp for T.Y. With, for T.Y. as far as what I'm hearing, um, I heard he got overthrew on a, on a deep ball uh, by Easton. I believe it was yesterday. But other than T.Y., how has Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell looked so far? Yeah, T.Y. had a couple big plays today. He had a couple oh, big really? plays. They were doing – they were doing uh, – I thought it was two-minute drill first, and I put that out wrong on Twitter, so I apologize for that. But they were doing, like, one series of downs, and then either the offense or the defense won, and, and they were moving on to the next set. And he he converted a couple big plays on third down with Easton mm. there that I thought was good. Uh, you know, you always want to see that when it, when it, a little bit more pressure on in those kind of situations. Um, but he's been quiet. I mean, camp's been pretty quiet for him overall. That That's not been indicative of what he's done the rest of the time. Paris Campbell looked really good early. I, I think he's still trying to figure out some chemistry with the new guys. You can tell that him and Carson have put together some time in the offseason, and, and yeah. there was a real chemistry there. It was really clicking. Uh, now I think he's just trying – it doesn't look bad. He just hasn't flashed as much uh, as he had previously. Um, Pittman's made a play every day. And today I thought he made his best play because what I really wanted to see from him – because Rivers just didn't do it a lot last year because I think he, he knew – you could kind of tell. Phil Rivers knew he had only so many shots left in that arm, and he wasn't going to just throw it downfield every time. He was kind of picking his, his spots. But today there was kind of a 50-50 ball, a little bit underthrown ball by Jacob Eason, and Marvell Tell got up into Pittman. They didn't have pads on, so it wasn't a full-on hit. But he got up in him, he hit him, he knocked Pittman to the ground. Pittman held on. I think that's something I really want to see from him this year. We know he's great run after catch. I want to see he, – he did a little bit of it last year in practice, but everything last year was so weird. I mean, even at training <laughs> camp, it was just a weird – Yeah, I don't even know. You kind of throw 2020 out. But I, I want to see that. And so today was the first time I really saw him go up, fight for the ball. But he's made a player or two every day. I'll tell you, the guy who's really – everyone's talking about is Mike Strawn. We know he's incredibly raw. We know it's probably not going to be a big part of this year's team. But – you just can't – he makes Sam Ellinger look good. I mean, he's – Ellinger's throwing floaters up there at times down the field, and Strong just goes up, and whoever's defending him, he goes over and pulls the ball in. He's oh. had his drops. He's had his mistakes. He's right. had his moments. But there is raw ability there that you can't <laughs> deny. 
And it's, it's every day. It's look at 17, you know, what, what's going on here. Has he seen any key matchups against our starting corners? He's had some moments out there. Um, you know, the corners have been out. That's one of the biggest, right. <laughs> they got TJ carry back today, but Kenny came back today, but he missed yesterday. Xavier Rhodes hasn't practiced yet. So it's, you know, it's still kind of a lot of guys wrote. And, you know, if you've been out to train camp at all any year, uh, since Everflus has been here, they rotate guys a lot. So he sees a little bit of everyone, but it, it hasn't mattered who's on him. He just goes up and, and he fights for the ball. Um, you know, again, he's in the same boat. I mean, you don't want to look, it could be Deion Kane all over again. You don't want to make too much yeah. of these early training camp reps, but he's a guy that just, I think you could take a three-year-old kid out there who understands the rules and he's going to understand Strawn's different. Something's different about him. It, it's, it doesn't take much knowledge of the game to, to, to know to 17. Yeah, that's, um, and I heard you, I want to go back to your point you made about Pittman catching a 50-50 ball. You said he did that against Marvell Tell, who's a big corner, you know, a guy that Long played arms. safety, a guy that played safety at USC. He's about six foot two. He's, he's a nice size corner. So if he's able to do that over a guy like Marvell Tell, the average corner he's going to face week in and week out is not going to be that big. So if you can go up over a guy like that, you should be able to do the same thing to those younger corners, those smaller corners, I should say, and have success with it. But it's just something, like you say, we didn't get a lot of. I, I, it bothered me for the life of me. When we get in the red zone and he'll have one-on-one -on -one coverage with Pittman, just a, a back shoulder or a fade. We just never did it ever. And I, I was so frustrated by it. And I, the last time I remember Pittman getting a pass in the end zone was the dreaded playoff game where Phillip missed him by an inch that could have changed that whole game around. Oh, I just don't want to revisit that. But, but yeah, man, hopefully we see more fade routes, more 50-50 balls, more jump balls, throwing Michael Pittman's way so he could use that size to his advantage. And I'll tell you, Tell, to, for my money, Tell has been the most impressive of the corners so far. Um, but, good. you know, again, we'll see how it goes. It's, it's, it's the first steps here. But with him, you coming off that year off, you want to see what he – there's not a lot of rust right now. Now, maybe that changes completely as we get more physicality out there. Uh, but I think Tell's been – he's been somebody who's, who's flashed. That's good. All right. Well, it's time for our next segment, which is actually sponsored – by One Call Technology. One Call Technology is a managed telecom service provider whose senior staff has a hundred plus years of experience in virtually every aspect of business communications, business phone systems, installation, and service. Managed telecom service provider, telecom carrier management, high speed internet. Head on over to One Call's website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888. 585-8850 and tell them the blue stable sent you. So with that, we got to get into takeaways from early part of training camp. Now, the early takeaway for me is the injuries. Like you, you, you notice the corners, Carson, Quentin Nelson getting a little bit nicked up, you know, just um, Darius Leonard. There's a couple of things going on right now. And I, also wonder I, I don't think it is but I even wonder if injuries are part of what's holding up I highly doubt it is but I wonder if it's holding up the contract extension for Darius Leonard I mean he's had a history missing some games here and there uh struggling staying healthy but he goes out there and plays when you're young so when he gets older is that gonna be a problem but that was just a 
thought I had in my head, but the injuries, George, is this an early training camp soft tissue problem or is it something that could linger all season? It's so far, it's typical Colts terrible luck. I mean, it, some of these things have been freak things. Ryan Kelly has an elbow, a hyperextended elbow, and it's because Marlon Mack ran into him on a play. I mean, it was just and it it was just a freakish kind of a situation. We're watching the play, and all of a sudden you see Kelly grab his arm, and we find out the next day that Mack had kind of hit him. It wasn't obviously anything Mack did wrong. It, it's just it's been little things like that today. Somebody stepped on Quentin Nelson's foot. I mean, it's just Carson Wentz has a bone that's lodged for 10 years in his foot that decides Thursday evening is the time to, to pop out. I mean, it's just crazy, insane things. And I'll, I'll tell you, Darius looks fine. He's, he hasn't been practicing, obviously, but he's out there running. And I'm not at all worried about his status. Um, Kenny Moore was out for one day. I'm not worried about him, but it, it's piling up. And it, you know, corner seems every year since there's one position that gets hammered and it's been corner this year. And COVID has been part of that too. They had two guys out, uh, Xavier Rhodes still out with, with that situation, but uh, just the corners really got hit hard. And the guys who were out there, Eberflus made reference to, I think they had like 75 or 80 plays the other day between their reps and then their special teams reps. As you can see the fatigues and the guys are out there are, are just out there all day long. And the first couple of days were really hot. So, you know, it, it hasn't been, I'd be more worried if it was a lot of like hamstring pulls and, and those kind of things, the soft tissue stuff, there's been a couple of those, but it's mostly just been crazy, you know, once in a, in a blue moon type of situation that for whatever reason can hits this team every year. One of my takeaways uh, that I, that, I came up with from reading the reports of everything that's going on is the rookie stock. It seems like we have a couple of guys that can make an impact right away. And I wanted to ask George about these two guys in particular. We talked about Michael Strong, who's really a project guy. We're not speaking about him on this type of conversation, but Quiddy Pay and Colin Granson, are you buying stock in those guys, George? Absolutely. You know, Quiddy, I can't wait to, to see Quiddy when the pads come on because I think power is such a big part of his game. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I was talking with Coach Venturi the other day, and he said he worked out Justin Houston when he was coming out of the draft. So he was with him in there. His body size, everything about the two are really, really unique. He thinks Quiddy's obviously a little bit quicker, a little bit, a lot bendier. He's probably bendier than anybody on earth. But it's yeah. not – there's there's some similarities there in their play style, their, their size – and that's what he – but he, he made a good point. And I think this is something to kind of keep in mind as Quiddy Pay's rookie year goes through. He said, Justin Houston had five sacks as a rookie. He had 22 in year three, but you just kind of keep that in mind as we're watching him. I think he's going to do a lot of good things. I think he's going to be a force in the run game. I think he's going to get some pressures out there. Uh, but he might not be a double-digit sack guy right away. And I, and I don't want people to – you know, it's easy to get disappointed right away. I, I think there's a lot Quiddy Pay is going to bring this defense – and not all of it might show up in a, in a box score on Sunday. Granson is a, is a Trey Burton clone so far. I mean, I think if you want that role, and we'll see how it works in this year, uh, but he's just been running underneath routes, catching the ball every time it's thrown to him. Hands have looked good. There was that one question in the draft about it. He kind of blew it off on draft day and said, hey, look, it's people blowing up one game. So far, that looks to be the case. The thing I love about Granson right now, every single practice, when everybody else is gone, the fans are gone. We're still out there talking to people in the in the media tent. 
him and uh, Sam Ellinger are out there throwing passes every day. They're high school teammates. He said, it's great. It's just like the old days. He's just like, Hey Sam, you want to grab a ball? Let's go out there and, and work. But it, I think that kid has got praise from literally day one of minicamp. And to see him still be the last guy off the field, that's just a good sign to me. I mean, if he can be a better version, non-dropping Eric Ebron, I'll take it. I'll take it. He's not going to be out there on run plays, or unless it's an RPO and stuff like that. But if it's an actual run play you're going with, we're not going to see him. Um Another thing that I that we've heard a lot, and you mentioned it earlier, George, is these young rushers that we really went into this camp with a lot and a lot of questions with. Okay, so two guys, obviously, they're going to be the two biggest names outside of Quiddy Pay. Uh, I'm not really paying too much attention to Quiddy Pay this year. He's a rookie. I'm not going to put all the expectations in the world on him. I think what Rashad, I think I predicted him to have three and a half sacks. I, I think it's three and a half. Yeah. He's a rookie. He's not going to come out and have 15, man. Come on now. Yeah, I think um, it was at four and a half. So I, I don't expect the big yeah, I, sack I don't number. E- yeah, no, no, no. Do I expect him to be disruptive? Well, if that strength is a real thing, then yeah, strength will, will get it done any day. But what has Kamoko Toure and Ben Banigou performed? How have they performed so far in training camp? Not so much comparing the two, but what have their performances so far done for their stock going forward? with the Colts. Yeah. You know, I think we'll start to see that a little more as we get into the preseason and we see when they come into the game and, and how long they're playing. Uh, but I don't know how it can be doing anything, but going up right now with both of them. I mean, Ture, we've heard for three years now, just wait till he's healthy, wait till he's healthy. He looks healthy. He's out there. He's in the backfield on every snap. You know, they can't take quarterbacks to the ground, although he almost took Easton to the ground today. I think he's probably not in, Coaches probably aren't real happy with him on that one. He got a little too deep in. Easton kind of had to step over him. There was whistle blew. I think there was probably a little talking about don't don't hit the red jersey. Uh, but you know they they've been so fast. They've they've been and that's what you want to see that quick first step. You know again, offensive line's banged up. Kelly's been out for two or three days now. Uh, tackle you rotate guys in at left tackle. Quentin Nelson's missed more. He missed one day entirely with the rest day. He missed more than half of the day. So, you know, take all of that into to account with the fact that the pads aren't on uh, and fast guys are going to look really good right now because they just run past people and they're not getting chipped and you're not getting all those other kind of things. And obviously the offense isn't game planning for them. So, you know, they should look really good right now and they do. And I think that's positive because last year Ben Bannigan didn't, you know, this time of year in camp, he still was not getting it done. And I think that was people were, were commenting last year on the other side of it. Hey, what's wrong with Bannigan? not making any plays. Uh, he's flashed a lot. I think the other two guys on the defensive inside that, that need to have really good camps that have been interesting so far for what it's worth. Isaac Rochelle's looked pretty good. He's had his moments out there. Uh, we'll see how that goes. You know, he's another guy that I think he's got a history in the league. So I take yeah. that with a lot more grain of salt than I do the rookies because, you know, looks great in shorts. Wonderful. Let's see what happens right. when it matters. Um, and the other guy is uh, they just signed him. I want to say Demontre Moore. Uh, you know, just another guy that's been in the backfield a lot, but they're not taking guys to the ground. And that's the other thing I don't know. If, if we were live right now, would these be missed tackles? Are they going to get guys on the ground? You don't know any of that right now. A hurry right now looks like a sack. So Mm -hmm. you got to wait and and see how that goes. Um, I think, I think Lewis has had a somewhat quiet camp so far, 
but he's not playing for as much. He, he knows what's going on. You know, he's going to be in that Danico Autry role. He's going to move in and out. And I think he's not, he and Buckner are kind of like, we'll, we'll pace ourselves. We don't need to go crazy right. in the first week of training camp. Um, I, I think the defense has dominated the offense early on, but that's also pretty normal. I mean, you see that a lot, you know, most years, the first week of camp goes to the defense. I'm really interested to see. I'm hoping they, they said initially that today was going to be the first pad day. It wasn't. I'm hoping the pads come on tomorrow because I really – it just changes. You guys know that. It changes yeah. everything. And I really want to see what it looks like after that. One thing I can attest to, and I think Rashad can as well with his brother being a coach in the league. I remember in high school going through the jerseys and everything. Uh, I was a linebacker, so I was in a four in a three four defense. So I was somewhat blitzing all the time. What's different versus shirts versus pads is when you go up against a lineman. A lineman isn't looking to do that one step punch in your chest. Mm -hmm. They're not looking to do that. So it's not really getting that physical. You're really testing a lot of hands, hand movement, you know, a lot of tech technique and all that stuff. So when the pads come on, I remembered in high school, man, the pads come on. I'm starting fights. I'm pushing you to the ground <laughs> after the whistle. I'm getting the ball and throwing it at you. I remember all that stuff. Um, a, a lot. You're right, George. A lot changes when the pads come on. Physicality goes up a whole notch. Even the way the coaches call these practices are a little bit different and the lineups that they use. So I'm really interested interested to see what Ben Banigut and Kamoko Toure look like going up against Braden Smith. Now, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. Quiddy Pay is playing on the side where Braden Smith is, correct? Yeah. And then Ben is on the other side. So I would be I would really love if Ben could possibly start in that position but it, maybe it looks like Taekwon Lewis might be starting there right now for the Danico Autry role. Another matchup uh not really matchup but camp battle that i'm actually looking forward to is since rob windsor was put on what he was put on ir what is yep. it looking like so far between taylor stallworth and antoine woods because i thought one of those two guys were going to be out and i thought taylor was going to be out because antoine woods was like the heart and soul of the cowboys defense last year he was really good but being in a backup role i think he'll play better so what is going on with those two guys right now yeah, Stallworth had a great start to camp. He looked really good. He was getting in the backfield a lot. He made a couple run stuffs to the extent that you can. I mean, he was wrapping guys up. You can't put them down. But, you know, I feel like if he if he picks up a running back and moves him backward, he probably was going to make the tackle. But uh, he, he got a hamstring injury, and he's been out the last couple of days as well. That was a tough one because that start was so, so fast. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. You know, I haven't noticed a lot of Woods yet, but he's another guy. The veterans don't. They understand they're not going to waste their energy right now. You know, they know that the real time is coming. Uh, so they usually don't, you don't see as much from them right now. It's more the rookies and the kids who don't know any better for, for lack of a better term out there trying to, to flash. Um, I think they're the Colts are excited about Andrew Brown as well. We'll see how he yeah. works into this mix. Um, and I know like not just the coaches, the other players, when they come into the tent, they've mentioned him and what he adds to this. But, you know, Tyquan Lewis said right now it's a race to the quarterback. It has been most days. Uh, and it, defensive linemen are kind of pushing each other in that all across the board, from the interior to the outside. They're all just kind of, okay, you you made this play. Well, now I'm going to go make that one. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that develops. I think it should be one of the strengths of this team this year. The edge, you've got questions about, obviously, because of the production. But I think the depth there, there's a lot of guys. They want to rotate guys in. And I feel like this year they've got a lot of guys that they can rotate in. They're not going to have a really, obviously, Buckner's head and, and shoulders above everybody else. But I don't think there's going to be a lot of drop-off with a lot of other guys to where you're like, 
this is a problem. You know, they really might have eight guys who they can throw out there and, and be comfortable with. And Alquan and Muhammad hasn't even been on the field yet. You know, he's still one of the COVID guys. So um, I think the defensive line has looked really good. Again, get the pads on. We'll see how it changes. But right now, they look really deep and really fast and really like the picture of what this team wants. Yeah. Uh, Ballard has to be smiling because, you know, he wants to build this team inside out and he's, he spends a lot of money on the trenches and he, he gives a lot of resources to the trenches and to, to use that to pivot to something else I want to ask you about. I got more stock for you, George. Are you buying this stock that Bobby Okariki is ready to take that next step? Are you buying it? Are you buying it? He's looked really good so far. I mean, I'm just going to say, you know, he's looked really good so far. Now, I heard somebody said, and I'm, I'm spreading rumors on here already, so that's great. I heard that, that he and uh, Jacob Eason were living together in the offseason. They heard, had, like, an apartment. So, I, I don't know. If, oh, I don't, I don't know about all info. that. So, maybe it's inside info. Maybe maybe he knew, you know, maybe he's been around Eason too much now, and <laughs> that's why he's picking his pocket all the time, but – uh, I mean, he's made some really athletic plays. One one of the interceptions, Eason just threw it to him. But the other one, he stepped in front of the receiver. I mean, it looked it looked good. It looked like a really good play by him. And I think that was the one to Jonathan Taylor, right? Yeah, it was throwing it over the middle and and just came right in and, and grabbed it. And yeah. I thought, you know, that's what you want to see from him is that sort of difference making type of line linebacker. And I think it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, can he can he do it? over the course of time, like one good week in training camp. Great. You know, is week two going to be just as good Is week three going to be better than that. I, I don't know. I think he feels a little more empowered right now too, because Darius is out. So he's the unquestioned, you know, Anthony Walker's in Cleveland. Leonard's on the sideline. He's the unquestioned leader of that linebacker group right now. And I think he's just kind of soaking all that in, making full advantage of it be interesting to see how it plays out over the course of the year but i am buying stock up right now on bobby okariki so i have two i have two more oh what's up rashad no no you're fine you're fine okay before we get to our last topic which i'm really excited to talk about i actually have just two more questions george that keep just popping up in my head two guys are coming to mind um if he's out there how is dio looking if he's on the sideline is he working what kind of activity is he doing how active is, is he and what is EJ Speed looking like filling in for uh, Darius Leonard? Yeah, I haven't seen much of Dio yet. I'm not sure he's been out there. He's a really huge guy, so I think I wouldn't <laughs> miss him. Um, but he's not been out there. Uh, Fisher's been out on the sideline, like, running and, and doing his stuff. I haven't seen Dio yet. We'd heard that he was a little bit further behind in, in the rehab process. Uh, probably a little bit of difference between being in the NFL when you get hurt and having an NFL staff and being in college. And, and it, not just being in college, but preparing for an all-star game. And, you know, who knows? He probably had to do a lot of that on his own. Uh, but I, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see where – I know this. That guy fills up a doorway. I mean, I don't know if nothing else about him. He is gigantic. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see when he gets on the field and, and gets working. EJ Speed has looked good. He's made – he's had some moments. Uh, I think he had an interception at one point off a tip ball – uh, which is one of those hustle plays that Eberflus is always looking in the right place at the right time because he made it happen. Uh, I think that's something that you're going to continue to look from him. I think EJ's another guy that I remember a couple spring uh, preseasons ago, the last time we had a preseason, he was like going to lead the the NFL in tackles. I think that preseason, I, I think you're going to see that again when the lights come like that to me is what I want to see. He, his game is so much about flying to the ball and, you know, being productive that way. And he just can't, 
can't really do it right now. Um, but there are signs that, and I wonder a little bit, you know, the, the conventional wisdom has been Zaire Franklin will be that sandbacker because he's got the experience and, and he's got that kind of run stuff. And I'm sure when they play Tennessee, he'll be the sandbacker. Right. But you, I wonder if EJ won't work into that sort of the role that Okariki had when he was a rookie, where just because of the athleticism to get three freaks out there on the field at one time, you might see him a little bit in that same spot, doing a little bit more coverage and, and doing things you don't normally see from that position. I know Bobby really kind of his rookie year started coming on when they kind of started playing the same role. It'll be interesting to see. I you're talking what 30% of the snaps if that. So it's not a big mm -hmm. role anyway. Uh, but when they don't play a real run heavy team, it'll be interesting to see if he if he works into the mix. All right. Yeah, like, like you've been saying, that Sam rule is kind of like a developmental linebacker rule now. You know, just get your feet wet, get used to flying sideline to sideline, even though it has more of a thumper tradition. You know, you want a big physical guy who's going to stuff the run. But I think it's transitioning now with the game evolving. So is that position. Three linebackers are rarely ever on the field. So if you can get three freaks, you know, that's big enough to physically stuff the run also, then the more speed you get on the field at at a time, it's the better off you are. Well, let's get one thing straight. Uh, two games against Tennessee, you better believe Zaire Franklin's going to be on the Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Let's just, let's just get that uh, out of the way right for now. Sure. But, but George, um, I'm not sure if you know, but I am a huge Michael Pittman fan. All right? Oh, boy. I, I cemented, planted my flag this offseason. He's the guy. He's ready. He's got the makeup. He's got the talent. Um, my understanding is that growing up, you know, his father being great in the NFL has had that ticket to these, you know, facilities, give it, get him the best trainers, get him the best practice buddies in the off season, get him with some NFL guys. He's been going up against some competition even before he got to USC. So I think he's ready, you know, at a more escalated, uh, trajectory than a normal rookie wide receiver would. So says someone I know. Um, so I think Michael Pittman has got the makings to do it even this year. Now, T.Y. Hilton, his his spot on this team is cemented, number one, like you always, like you've said on this show, he doesn't need to do anything in training camp. It's cemented already. So, but Michael Pittman, uh, what has he looked like in camp? Has he shown you really good number one, number two receiver things? And where do you think, what do you think his role in this offense will be? I think he's one of those guys. I honestly feel like he's one of the guys that's going to be hurt by Wentz's absence for a while, just because I think Carson's a little more likely to, to push the ball downfield and try to take advantage of the, the strengths that, that Pittman has. And I think as long as Wentz is out, no matter who the quarterback is, if it's Jacob Eason, if it's some veteran that you're bringing in for a couple of weeks, I think you're going to see a lot more short intermediate throws, you know, probably would be a bigger time for Paris Campbell. I was just about to say that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and make plays like that. Um, not that Campbell won't be part of the offense with, with mm -hmm. Wentz as well, but I think Pittman's game is so much about getting that ball downfield and then making plays, you know, with the ball in his hands I mean, the big breakout game against Tennessee, it just felt like every snap he was catching the ball, you know, and then turning it into a 20, 25-yard gain. Yep. Uh, I, I'm not sure he's going to get a lot of opportunities right now to do that. We'll see. You know, it depends on – a lot of it depends on how long Carson's out. Every every answer right now I think is 
that's the caveat to it was, well, when does Wentz come back and what does he look like? You know, how long does he have to shake off the rust and, and those sort of things. Uh, but I think you know, Pittman's got the natural talent there. I think his, his size and his athleticism, there's no other receiver on, on the roster that, that has that mix, you know, in Campbell's faster, you know, but he's not obviously bigger and, T.Y.'s game's never been about physicality. That's not who he is, and it never will, but that would be ridiculous. So, you know, I think I think they need him to do a very specific role, and I think that it's possible that he'll end up being the number one guy by the end of the year. I mean, he, people kind of poo-poo his, his rookie year. He had 500 yards, and he missed three games, and he was when he was on the field a lot of times, he wasn't healthy. I mean, it was like I don't know that it was as bad a rookie season as – as maybe some people want to make it out to be rookie receivers take time. I mean, just naturally, they're not the fastest guys to come along as it is. He dealt with two real injuries and the, the compartment leg syndrome was just nuts. I mean, mm-hmm. it looked like the first time he got up to speed and got his feet under him, he gets that leg injury and he had to start all over again. And then you saw it towards the end of the year. I know Ballard's extremely high on him. I, mean, I know that they feel like Buffalo started shading coverage to him. I think Tredavious White was on him the whole game. And it, to them, that sent a message of what the rest of the league thinks about him. The question is, I don't know that – if you look at Frank Reich's history, I don't know how many times he's had a number one receiver mm-hmm. where you really say that's the guy. It's not really the way this offense operates. They want to spread it around. They want to do different things every week. So I don't know. It depends on what your definition of, of number one receiver is going to be. I don't think that's what the Colts want to do. I think they want 1A, 1B, 1C. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't – It'll be interesting how it works, but I, for them, it's all about how they mesh together. And I think Pittman in general, his particular skill set is unique to him. I don't know that if he goes down, I don't know who you put in that spot and, and say, Hey, you know, go, go do it. What Pittman does for us. I like Pittman, man. I'm a diehard USC fan, by the way. I'm a Trojan guy. Uh, it was difficult. My brother's in college. He went to Georgia tech. So I had to, uh, <laughs> I had to go with the Yellow Jackets for a little while, but now I'm back on the USC train. Now that he's uh, over in the NFL, but Pittman, man, he he's had all the makings to be a star. You know, it, it, the work he puts in the work. Obviously, that's something that was instilled in him by his father, a guy who was, although was a running back, was a great receiving threat at running back. So obviously, that's where Michael Pittman gets a lot of his, um, you know, fundamentals and everything from. I look forward to him having a great year. I just, like I told Michael earlier when we was talking, um, I just don't like everybody to put the number one receiver expectations on him because he's so young in his career. You know, if he flourishes into that, that's a plus. But, you know, I think he has that type of potential, though, eventually down the road. And who knows? Mike believes it's going to show this year. Maybe it will, you know. If he gets 800, 900 yards, I think that's a fantastic year for him in year number two. People see that the the rare exceptions, people like what Justin Jefferson did last year or what A.J. Brown did a couple of years ago. Rookie wide receivers rarely go for 1,000 yards, folks. I'm sorry to tell you all that. It's one of the most difficult positions to transfer to when you go to the next level. It's it's right up there with cornerback. Cornerbacks have the same type of – you know, dip once they come into the NFL because the game is just played at a different type of speed than they're accustomed to at the collegiate level. And but, no one's going to just walk into the league and shut down DeAndre Hopkins like Jalen Ramsey did. No, I mean, that's stuff people dream of. Like Jalen Ramsey, 
great guy. I had the pleasure of meeting him. He, he's a great guy, but he's just a different type of guy. You know, like he can play safety. He's physical at the line of scrimmage. And I don't want to turn this into a Rams podcast because I'm already <laughs> going to get killed anyway, off affiliations alone. But back to Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman, I think what he does blocking is, is awesome. I know he got called for quite a few penalties last year, but that's not spoken enough about what he does in the run game. He he flats, as Grunk said, throws people out of the club. You know, he will push you out of the way. And as long as you do that, you're going to stay on the field in the Frank Reich offense. You're going to be an every down receiver as long as you're run blocking. Same, similar to what Pascal does. That's how Pascal earns his bread and butter. He blocks and he catches touchdowns. Seven touchdowns in each of the last two years, 14 touchdowns in the last two years. And it's not a guy you think of off the top of your head because he's listed as, you know, maybe fourth on the depth chart behind Campbell, Pittman, and T.Y. But he's a guy that contributes, man, and, and he gets on the field because he blocks so well. So that's a very intricate part of the offense that not a lot mm-hmm. of people speak about when they speak about Pittman. And that's interesting that uh, George touched on the injury. I mean, the compartment leg syndrome, that is a potentially very, very, very serious injury. Like we're talking amputation type serious. I mean, he, he, he even said there was a report. He got into bed, his fiance touched his leg and he didn't feel it said, Hey, can you do that again? And immediately he called the team doctor and they got it taken care of. Thankfully. I mean, there was a guy I remember at TCU, he was a quarterback backup and he was dealing with that for like the last eight months and he couldn't get it right. Couldn't get it right. And it stopped him from getting on the field. That's how serious it is. When we talk about Michael Pittman's trajectory and all that stuff, I I looked back at Frank Reich's, you know, back in Philly and I don't see anyone on the Colts roster in Frank Reich's tenure or on the Eagles roster in Frank Reich's tenure that is equal to Michael Pittman in what their potential is. Alshon Jeffrey was solid. He was great in Chicago and in Philly may have gotten his reputation a bit amped up a little bit too much, but Super Bowls will do that to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael Pittman is the guy. I mean, he's faster than Alshon. He has better hands than Alshon, stronger than Alshon. I mean, great wide receiver, great route runner, too. That's the thing that, you know, and you touched on it, you know, his rookie year. Let's also say no other rookie went through what Michael Pittman and others of that class went through, a pandemic. And it halted a lot of their uh development their teachings and training camp it halted a lot of that stuff so now when you get an off season to build chemistry not only with Carson Wentz but with also Jacob Eason and to your point George is Jacob Eason going to take those shots down the field and trust his arm preseason regular season whatever the case may be where he needs to step up is he going to be able to do that if he can do that if he can say you know what I trust my arm and I trust Michael honestly I think Michael is the guy that benefits the most with either with either quarterback, because I think we understand that he's the guy that a quarterback loves and dreams of size, strength, length, the length of his arms, his wingspan, go up and get it. And I love that you mentioned what Buffalo threw at him in the in the playoff game, because look at how that offense looked. Honestly, I think that was probably the best offensive game the Colts played all year because they ran through Michael Pittman. He beat Tredavious White so many times. And when they got the ball to him, he showed what he can do as a rookie. And I looked at that game. I looked at the technique. Tredavious White got physical with him. And I like that the refs allowed that. He got physical with them. And Michael Pittman, you know what? Get off me. Sit your ass down and I'm going to catch this ball. That's what he did. And the fact that 
I see that, and I see what can he do. I mean, let's also know that he he nearly killed a man in practice. Let's understand that he nearly killed Campbell. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen the footage, but George, could you could you confirm that? Yeah, he did. <laughs> it was the funniest part about that was you know somebody asked Marcus Brady about it after the practice, and he was like that parent that just heard that the kid got in trouble on the playground. Like he was really kind of proud. <laughs> And he was like, I saw him take him down, but he's like, we can't do that. We can't do that. But that's, you know, to Rashad's point, he's had an edge about him in the practice too. And that fight happened, but he's been chippy a couple other times. And I think it's, you see that blocking mentality of him. He's, I asked him about it a little bit. I said, your dad was a running back. You enjoy that physical nature. He said, yeah, I still think I can play safety. I still think I could be an outside linebacker in this league. Uh, you know, he wants, he wants to hit people. And that's, that's what I like when he catches the ball, the run after catch, what makes him unique is, Sometimes he's looking for somebody to run over. It's, it's, it's not your typical receiver mentality. Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, what a duo in a draft class, looking to run people over. Um, look, my, my expectations for this guy are not number one, but I do think that he can vault into that. Obviously, Carson Wentz being out has kind of clouded some of that. We got to see how Jacob Eason uh, plays and how he develops, but – Man, whether T.Y. Hilton is here or not, I do think Michael Pittman is the next guy up. He is the, the next top five receiver in this league. He has the makeup to do it. He has the coaching staff behind him to do it. And I'm just really excited. I'm excited for T.Y., Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, even though Paris Campbell has been focusing on rehab, rehab, rehab. He hasn't gotten a chance to focus on his game and develop his games. And also the coaches haven't gotten a chance to work with him on his game, which I've stated numerous times to Rashad and Destin on the show. I'm excited for him as well. My expectation for Paris, just focus on the fundamentals, just focus on the basics. You know, this is going to be your first healthy off season, your first healthy training camp. Let's, let's go through the basics, the fundamentals. Let's re reteach what you've learned and we'll go from there. So honestly, I mean, these are, these are big ifs. If, Jacob Eason or Carson Wentz can be that guy. If Paris Campbell can stay healthy, George, I, I think, I think we got a team on our hands. Honestly, if this defense is that dominant or this offense just sucks, <laughs> it, it's, it's going to be very, an, a very fun off season. Okay. I've had too many questions about this team, even before Carson's injury, my prediction for this team was seven and 10, just too many questions at, the two biggest spots on a team, pass rush, quarterback, too many questions. Um, but if this works out, I mean, George, I think we're looking at 13 and four, honestly, with the defense, the talent, Julian Blackman, what jump is he going to make? I mean, I love me some. He's look good too. And, um, Blackman's look good. Kari Willis has looked good. You know, safeties, the safeties are doing a good job. Kari had a strip today on, on Taylor and he knocked the ball out and he recovered it. You don't see that very often pads or no pads. That's a, you know, just that kind of effort from those guys. And I think one of the biggest things about Carson's injury is that the day he got hurt, it's day two, we know that he looks so good that day. And that's one of the things Venturi was saying. He saw that day because the way he was moving, the way he was throwing, he's like, I saw the 2017 Carson Wentz on the field today. And then the next day, boom. So I think that's part of what, you know, I think that's part of what, what is driving everybody nuts right now. You could see, you could squint in the sunlight that day and you could see the potential of this team. And now it's like back to square one, which is, I mean, it's kind of what, what it's been that way in Indy since I, what, 2015, I think. So yeah. <laughs> you just keep, just keep plugging away. 
Yeah, and, and I know we have to. Uh, I know we have to go soon. We're about to wrap this up, but it feels good to have all of this information to talk about, and and the coach always providing such an interesting story. But we haven't even talked about our best position group. Just not even mentioned it, and you kind of glance at it. You know, when you spoke about Jonathan Taylor and, and the strip tag, he, strip fumble he uh, had against Kahar. But what have you seen from the running backs? Do they look good? That's the last thing I'm going to ask, I promise. That's the last right. bit of stock I have for you. No, no, you're absolutely right. That's the best position on this team. And I think they become, what, 100 times more important? They were already important. Absolutely. We know Frank Reich's going to run the ball. Oh, we yeah. know that. <laughs> you know, but now with, with whoever's under center – uh, you know, this it's, I, I said earlier, and I, and I honestly believe it for at least a little bit, Jonathan Taylor's gonna be the face of this offense. Yeah. And I think that he's ready for it. You know, I think he is ready for that role. Uh, he looks really good. He had the fumble, but a lot of that was Willis. He, sometimes defenses make plays too. You yeah. know, it, it happens. Uh, I think he's just looked really good. He's making his cuts. He's fast. He's had a couple runs that even without the pads, no one touched him. You know, it's sometimes it's hard to tell on a run. You're like, right. okay. What would have happened if this was live? Right. He had one hole yesterday. He came bursting through and then beat the linebacker to the edge. It was gone. Nobody touched him for 25 yards. There's no question, pads or no pads, that was going to be a big run. Uh, Marlon Mack doesn't maybe have that that last gear yet. You know, I don't know if he's got his top, top speed. But the best thing I've seen from him, he's not afraid to make his cuts. He's, he's planting his leg. He's making that move. You want to see that. It's probably going to take him a little while to, to get back to where he's if he ever does, I don't know. With an Achilles, maybe he's just going to lose a step. I don't right, know. Right. That's part of the, the equation here. But even Marlon Mack, a, a step slower than he was, is still pretty fast and certainly fast enough. Uh, and, you know, I think Hines is going to have his role. He hasn't been out there yet, obviously. But you get you throw him in there as, as another change of pace and, and his ability to catch the ball in the backfield. Tennessee still has nightmares about what he did in that game <laughs> down there in Nashville. Uh, I, seriously, I was on the radio with them uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and I think they still had some PD. They don't want to hear that name down there. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think Hines, he, he adds another element that's not there. And then today, Jordan Wilkins was out. He, he left the field early, and Deion Jackson made a big play. So you don't know. Like, there's, there's depth there, too. It's going to be a good group anyway. I think they've got four guys they feel comfortable with. Maybe Jackson makes a fifth guy. They're going to run the ball a lot. I, I was joking, and I said, maybe just, you know, put Sam Ellinger at quarterback and run the wishbone, put the three running backs behind him, and just let it fly that way for a little while. Georgia Tech triple option, here we come. Hey, back to Georgia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Great stuff as always. George Bremer, friend of the pod. Always, always welcomed when you want to come on, George. It's certainly been probably the most interesting show <laughs> in the last, what, three months. It's just Absolutely. been so dead. It's been so... I don't want to talk about other teams. I want to talk about the Colts, man, even though right now, I mean, what a Monday. Free agency is going crazy. Uh, we got this show. Olympics are going on tonight. USA is going home. Luca's about to go win a gold medal with Slovenia. Mike, I, I you're from wait. USA. You're from USA, Mike. You do know that, right? You're from the United States of what, America. What, what is this color, my man? What, what, what is this color? <laughs> I won't get into semantics here. Okay, anyways, man, uh, do we have anything else to close out the show with? Not, you know, I think we covered covered pretty much everything, right? right. Now. I think I do think it's going to be interesting. I think it's a big couple of weeks. We talked about it up, up, up top, but I think it's a big couple of weeks for Jacob Eason. I think it's going to be interesting to see. I don't want to say make or break because he's 23 years old. So I don't want to be ridiculous right. on that yeah. end of things. But I think it's a big week for him. You know, he, he's got an opportunity that, that not many guys in, in his spot get, and it'll be interesting to see what he does with it. 
All right. Well, hey, just so you know, I know Jonathan Taylor is going to be a stud because your dog started going crazy when you mentioned him. Yep. So he, he, you've been taking him out there to training camp, haven't you? He's been watching him, huh? Oh, absolutely. Oh, he yeah. knows football. He's ready. <laughs> He's like, Jonathan Taylor, that's my man. All right, guys. Well, once again, uh, George, I'm not sure if you know, but uh, I'm the captain of the Jacobies and Hype Train. Uh, I am boarding right now for this train. Departing time is August 8th, I believe, at 1 o'clock before the preseason game. So make sure you get your tickets uh, before we take off. And we run over Rams. We run over Seahawks, scary-looking chickens. Titans are in the way. We're about to smash them. So... It's a freight train coming, all right? So make sure you get your boarding pass. Rashad McGinnis, as always, where can we follow you on Twitter, Rashad? Uh, you can follow me at King of Coats. I know that's a pretty uh, cocky, you know, Twitter handle. But, uh, yeah, follow me at King of Coats. Um, I want to thank uh, Mr. Bremer for coming on, man. Uh, I always enjoy your written content. I just love to see you and, and love to get your feedback on what you think is going on with the Colts, whether good or bad, you know, because that's the part I enjoy about it. You're pretty honest, you know. You're one of the guys that, that, that keep it straight down the middle and you call it like you see it with no biasness. And I always did appreciate that about you. Much appreciated. Thanks a lot, guys. I had a blast. This is a lot of fun. Anytime you need me, just give me a call. Absolutely, George. Um, other than that, I don't think we have anything else. Oh, yes, George, where can we get you at Twitter? Yeah, at GM Bremer on Twitter. And uh, if the first week of training camps had any indication, it's going to be a busy, busy <laughs> month out there. Very, very. I mean, yeah. hell, everybody's busy. I've reached out to Jim, Kevin. I mean, Hey, we're busy. We got stories to write. So, hey, uh, guys, as always, one of the best interviewers out there, George Bremer, thank you again for coming on. Rashad, we will talk again very soon. We will continue a couple of these conversations. Again, I'm just, I'm just so <laughs> thankful that there's football to talk about again. We're not going to experience another Sunday without football. So yes, that is something to be excited about. I'm grinning ear to ear. I'm running out of breath. I'm excited. So, again, George Enjoy your Monday night. I'm sorry you had to spend it with a couple of clowns. <laughs> Rashad, take care, buddy. Thank yes, you guys for listening to the Blue Stable podcast presented by Fansided. Y'all have a great night. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.